Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, May 1st, 2018, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio. Beantown Athletics is Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. And now is your chance to take advantage of the simplicity of daily fantasy baseball at DraftKings. Why commit to an entire 162-game baseball season when you can draft a new lineup every single night? Sign up right now and play for free with your first deposit with promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. Again, promo code PIC, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. And the sun is out today on this 1st of May. I don't mean to rhyme there on purpose, but uh, feeling good about the weather, right? I believe we have finally turned a corner. Maybe you think I'm jinxing it. You want to knock on wood, that's fine, but I'll come out and say it. I think we've turned a corner. The rest of this week, we're going to have 80-degree weather after today. You know what that means? You want to get back out in the golf course. At least I know I do. And I've given this read now a lot over the last month. It's a company called Golf Ball Monkey. And since I've been given this read, people have come to me and they're like, Danny, are these are these used golf balls? Like, is it worth it? Like, they used golf balls. Really? Is that what you're promoting? Used golf balls? And I say, well, yeah. Golf Ball Monkey sent me a whole box of these premium used golf balls. And I'm telling you right now, they're good as new. And the best part about it is the price. Do me a favor. Go online right now while you're listening to this show. Don't hit stop. Keep, you know, keep it rolling. You know, I hope you know what you're doing. If you're listening to a podcast, you should know how to control the internet on your phone or whatever device you're listening to the show at the same time. Go on the internet and search Titleist Pro V1s, the 2018 edition. A dozen of them. How much is a dozen Titleist Pro V1s? Anywhere from 50 to 60 bucks. Well, guess what? You can get a dozen Titleist Pro V1s used from Golf Ball Monkey for just $14.95. That's right, $14.95. And they have more than just Titleist. They have Callaway. They have Bridgestone. They have Nike. I mean, you name it, they have it, all right? These are used golf balls, but they are good as new. I'm telling you right now, and the price, you can't beat it. And you can get 5% off right now. Any order, 5% off any order by using my promo code PIC, that's P-I-C, and get free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. so load up right now because you really could get a couple dozen balls for the price of one dozen new balls that are out there. And when you get these Golf Ball Monkey premium used balls, you're going to take them out of the box, you're going to look at them and say, are these really used? They look brand new. That's because Golf Ball Monkey is here to help you out. And again, so am I. Go to golfballmonkey.com right now. That's golfballmonkey.com. Swing for less all summer long with Golf Ball Monkey. Welcome to the show on this Tuesday. That's right, a Tuesday. I'm usually here Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, I was in here yesterday ready to record a podcast. And then I'm like, you know what? We said, why don't we wait until the Bruins and the Celtics play their playoff games on Monday night? And then, you know, we'll, we'll send something out early Tuesday with a little reaction. Because by the time we get Monday's podcast out, 
That means it's only timely for a couple hours. Next thing you know, the Celtics play their game one against the 76ers, and the Bruins play their game two against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it's the, the whole show is not timely, and basically we're just wasting our time on a Monday in here. So uh, I waited until today on this Tuesday, May 1st, and I watched both games last night. During the game, I was on Twitter, and there was some Tom Brady news. Is it news? Are we calling it news? Tom Brady audio, because he was talking with Jim Gray. What were they, what were they doing? What was it? Is it a convention? I, I've lost track of, of where, when, and how Tom Brady talks to Jim Gray. Anyway, what is up with the Tom Brady, Jim Gray uh, relationship. Like, what is up with that? Like, does anybody think that's just, that's weird that this is the guy that Tom Brady goes to all the time? That this is the guy that Tom Brady is talking to all the time? And given, you know, these type of responses, what type of responses? I'll play the audio before I wrap this show up because during the playoff games last night, I, I was on Twitter and Tom E. Curran from NBC Sports Boston, he tweeted out a video that I had retweeted so you could... Uh, either go to his Twitter account or mine, at Danny Picard, and you could see that video. Jim Gray asking Tom Brady if he feels appreciated by the New England Patriots. And ultimately, his answer ends up being okay. It's just, the, it's some of the things he says that it's just, it, it's, this offseason for Tom Brady continues to be a very strange one. Uh, and it it began with, with him getting a strawberry on Colbert's late night show. <laughs> if you didn't see that, Google that. Tom Brady tries to eat a strawberry, which is, and I think will go down as one of the weirdest fucking things the guy has ever done in his life. While the cameras are on him, at least. I don't know what he's doing when the cameras are off him. But Tom Brady is just having a strange off season, And I think this audio that I'm going to play for you, it, it it's just another example of just how strange this offseason is for Tom Brady. Again, some of the answers he gives, they end up, you know, they end up working out being okay. It's just he says some things that make you scratch your head. It's like, why why are you making this so complicated? I don't get it. I mean, I get it if he really does want something else out of Bill Belichick. Like if he really is this dead set on sending a message home that yeah, he needs Alex Guerrero to be full-time with the Patriots and on the sideline and flying with the team and massaging his groins in between quarters. I mean, I don't... I have no idea exactly what his demands are, but I, I think everybody in New England kind of has an idea of, you know, the fact that it is related to Alex Guerrero, all this stuff. I mean, is it contract-related? I get maybe I don't know, but either way, even whatever it's related to, Tom Brady, his off season continues to be just strange, weird, however you want to call it or phrase it. He's just he seems like a he seems like a bug. I I don't know Tom Brady. Just he's given this vibe and and to what I thought would be a simple answer under the Patriot way, which I thought Tom Brady always lived by. It didn't turn out to be as simple of an answer. At least coming out of his mouth this offseason, which has been a very weird one. But I'll get to that audio. We had two playoff games last night here in this town with teams in this town. 
The Celtics, who obviously, you know, had won their game seven since last time I talked to you. The Celtics won their game seven against the Milwaukee Bucks. I told you that would go seven. I told you the Celtics would win it at home in seven. Uh, they beat the Bucks in that game seven to advance to the second round. Where Philadelphia was waiting for them because Philadelphia, the 76ers, they beat the Miami Heat in the first round in five games. So Philly's waiting for them. Now the Celtics, uh, uh, you know, they have the home court advantage. You might not know it if you look at the spread. The 76ers were a three-and-a-half-point favorite in Game 1, but the game was in Boston. The game was at the TD Garden. The Celtics have home court because they're the two-seed in the East. The 76ers are the three-seed. Now, the Celtics were all banged up. They were even more banged up in this Game 1 against Philly because they were without Jalen Brown. But that didn't matter. The Celtics still won Game 1 over the 76ers by a score of 117-1. Oh, one Jalen Brown day to day suffered a hamstring injury late in that Buck series, so we'll see where where he goes with that. But game two is now going to be Thursday night at the Garden. So, uh, and believe it or not, the Celtics, who were a three and a half point dog at home in game one, they're also right now, as I'm recording this podcast, a three and a half point dog in game two at home, even though they won game one. I guess they're expecting people are expecting. The 76ers to bounce back. But, uh, you know, the Celtics continue to amaze. And, you know, the type of play that you're getting... I Look, the Jason Tatum stuff is obviously impressive. 40 minutes for Tatum in what is a real rookie season. 28 points for Tatum. 8 of 16 from the field. Uh, not very good from the three-point line. 1 for 5 from behind the three-point line. But he hit 11 of his 12 free throws. Tatum, 28 points. The way he attacks the basket, the plays that he makes, the confidence that he makes those plays with, it just jumps off the screen. And, yeah, we all can rave about just how impressive that is. But, in a way, and this is a strong comment, but in a way, it, it is somewhat expected, right? I mean... Don't take that the wrong way. I, I don't mean I didn't expect Tatum to do this this season. I didn't. I, I you know, he, and he's done it for the long haul, and he's doing it again continually now in the playoffs. I did not. Ex- so I, I did not expect that. But when you can maybe when you compare that to someone like Terry Rozier and and the success that Rozier is having, then maybe I should say Tatum's success, at least to me, is more expected than the success that Rozier is having. Terry Rozier, 29 points. That was a team high in game one. Seven for nine from behind the three-point line. In 35 minutes, uh, the kid was going off. He had eight rebounds, six assists, two steals. Again, 29 points. Terry Rozier is doing something that I never thought he would do. When I say we expect Tatum, I mean... You know, Tatum was a high draft pick, and the Celtics obviously, you know, loved him. And I know Rozier was a first-round pick, too, but it's not like Rozier was a top-three pick. You know, Tatum was. And so the expectations for Tatum are higher than Rozier. It's just Rozier is playing out of his mind, and I never even thought this would be possible with Rozier. I always thought it would be possible with Tatum, but not possible with Rozier. And to see Rozier playing like this is just... It's crazy to me. And I it still hasn't even really hit home when I watch him have this type of success. Like, I'm almost waiting for Rosier to 
to have a stretch of three or four games where he sucks, where he's turning the ball over, where he is just throwing up complete bricks, and we're yelling at the TV going, you got to get him off the court, you know, get somebody else out there. Why can't Kyrie Irving be healthy? I mean, I'm not feeling that way yet. Like, we, I'm, not, I'm not seeing that. I keep saying yet because my expectation with Rozier is that at some point it's going to fall off, but it hasn't. And so, you know, it hasn't even really hit me yet just how good he has been now for how long he's been this good. But it'll lead to, I think the Rozier stuff is going to lead to an interesting conversation in the offseason, like what do you do with him? You know, because obviously you're expecting Kyrie Irving to come back next year and to be the guy to go along with Gordon Haywood, right? To go along with Tatum and Jalen Brown and whatever else they do with the roster outside of those guys, Horford, obviously. So, I mean, you know, Rozier, a bench player at best ex- expected next year, is that what you're, you're going to stick to? Or are you going to look at him and go, the trade value will never get higher now for, for a kid who was a first-round pick? who has really exceeded expectations at a level that, I mean, let's face it, if Rozier takes the Celtics to the Eastern Conference Finals here, then, you know, the trade value is never going to be higher than that. So, this that'll be an interesting conversation for the Celtics to have, and it definitely is a conversation. Don't get so wrapped up into the Rozier success that you're telling me right now he's untouchable. I will still tell you right now that Marcus Smart is more untouchable than Terry Rozier. And maybe that has to do with the type of trade value that I think Rozier is going to have this offseason. But, you know, the the energy that Smart brings. I mean, last night you had to sort of reel him in because he was getting he was getting fired up. You know, Simmons hit him with an elbow a little bit. But I like that from Smart. I enjoy that from Smart. Sometimes, you know, there's a risk to that type of of play and that type of attitude because you do get some some texts, you do get some some fouls, you do get the refs to look at you in a way where, you know, they got that whistle ready to blow, they're ready to throw you out of the ball game, or they're ready to tee you up at any moment, right? But um, so it comes at some risk, but I still love it. I think you have to have that type of guy. There's no denying the type of energy that Marcus Smart brought to this team and catapulted them into this series when he came back against the Bucks in the first round. So I'll still tell you that Smart is more untouchable than Terry Rozier. And I don't think that's a knock on Rozier. In fact, I look at it kind of like, well, it's kind of more praise in a way because I'm telling you, he's going to have extremely high trade value this offseason. If he keeps this up especially. 29 points for the kid in 35 minutes, 7 for 9 from behind the three-point line. And the Celtics win game one. Again, game two is going to be Thursday night at the TD Garden, and the Celtics are still an underdog in this game number two. So, uh, you know, we'll keep an eye on that series. I would expect Philly to, you know, 117 to 101. That's, you know, 16-point win. I don't know that it's going to be... I don't know if the score is going to be that separated in, in, in game two. It's going to be closer in game two. And I expect Philly to – I expect the 76ers to have a a chance to win game two at the TD Garden for sure. So um, yeah, maybe the minus three and a half for Philly in game two isn't a terrible bet. I mean, could you see these teams splitting the first – you know, splitting at home each series? Like Philly wins game two, 
Philly, you win games three. Celtics win game four in Philly. Comes back to the Garden, tied it two. I could see that. I could see that. These two, these, look, I, I, could, I could see either of these two teams winning this series. And I said the same thing about the Celtics and the Bucks. but that's just the way the Eastern Conference is. That's the way this portion of the bracket is. The other portion of the bracket is Cleveland-Toronto now in the second round where LeBron James wins that game seven against Indiana, takes his team on his back. What do you have, 45, 46 points in that game? And people are surprised. Come on. Why are you surprised by that? I, t- I give the same rant on LeBron every single day, every, every single year at this time. When are you going to learn to stop giving up on LeBron James? You don't have to like him. This isn't me telling you I like his personality or I root for the guy. I'm not telling you that. But when you use your brain and you use your eyes and what you watch every single year, when are you going to learn to stop making NBA picks with your heart? Make them with your brain and your eyes. LeBron James, when are you going to learn to stop giving up on this guy? Cleveland's going to beat Toronto in the second round. Cleveland's going to go to the NBA Finals. And they're going to be on the the brink of elimination each and every series, aren't they? And then LeBron's going to step up and do his thing. That's what's going to happen. And, and I'll be more shocked if that doesn't happen than if it does. The fact that some people are still surprised when they see LeBron step up in the big moments. I don't get it. That means you're, you know, you're taking your rooting interest, you're rooting against the guy, and you're turning, you know, how you want to feel about a guy into reality. And reality is LeBron is the best player in the world still. You don't want him to be, though. So you try to convince yourself, and you actually do convince and brainwash yourself that he's not the best player in the world still. But um, I expect I expect Cleveland to beat Toronto. It's going to be a tough series. It's going to be a tough series, but really, if I, may, if I put a gun to your head right now and I made you put money on LeBron James or the Toronto Raptors, you mean to tell me you would put money on the Toronto Raptors? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It's it, it, to me. This is still LeBron's conference, um, and until that changes, you know, I think Philly they're going to have some players. And and people look if it is Philly and Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals, you know the storyline. It's it's going to be well, will will LeBron will this be the team LeBron's playing for next year? You know the whispers that LeBron and Philly are going to have conversations that Philly's going to go hot after LeBron this offseason. You know whatever. I, regardless of who LeBron plays moving forward, I still think this is his conference. But um, that's the way the East looks. And then in the West, you know, I think Houston got a favor by not playing OKC, Oklahoma City. What happened to them? And then, of course, you got Golden State. I'm expecting now Houston-Golden State in the West Finals. That should be an exciting series. But when that does happen, we'll react to it. I'll move on from the NBA playoffs, get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, because like we watched the Celtics last night, you know, we had a busy night here in Boston with the remote control. Going back and forth, Celtics-Bruins. I won't lie to you, I watched more Bruins than I did Celtics. But the Bruins started, they started an hour before the Celtics did. Bruins started at 7 Celtics started at eight. Um, so, you know, we it still it worked out. It worked out. If you had the remote control, you only had one TV, like I did. You're going back and forth. It it ended up working out. 
But I did watch more Bruins than anything last night. And the Bruins lost game two in Tampa Bay by a score of 4-2. to two. That second round series is now tied at one game apiece. The Bruins won game one in Tampa Bay on Saturday. And they crushed Tampa Bay in that game. Bergeron had two goals. Rick Nash had two goals. Tuka Rask made 34 saves. Uh, one of the saves he didn't make, his skate blade came off. And believe it or not, shocker what I'm about to tell you. Radio hosts in this town were blaming Tuca for not having the right skates. They were blaming Tuca for the reaction to when his skate blade fell off. Shocker, right? <laughs> Always looking for something. Always just digging for something. But uh, the Bruins won game one. Game two, if you, if you are a Tuca-esque hater, well, you had something last. I think you had something. Because the second Tampa Bay goal, who was it, Tyler Johnson? I mean... You know, from the lower right circle, this is as bad a look for a goaltender as you get. Tuka Rask, I have no idea what he was doing. I don't know if he saw a if he saw a different puck than everybody else saw, but Tuka, who was kind of cutting off the angle from his left side, starts to go to his right, and the puck goes in over his left shoulder. Like he's going the wrong way. It looked like he was purposely moving out of the way of the shot. Now, he obviously wasn't doing that. And here's another shocker for you. There are people in this town who thought he was scared of the puck, and that's why he was moving out of the way. If you think that, you are a fucking idiot. Like, you are dumb. You're not, like, you're not a very smart person. If you think that the guy was scared of the puck and was purposely moving out of the way. It, it's clear that Tuka Rask just saw something differently. Now, I don't know what he saw. But he thought, for whatever reason, the puck was going a different direction. And, you know, I, I, have no, I have no idea what he was thinking. But that's a bad goal. You cannot move the opposite way from that angle, from where that puck was shot. That's a bad goal. That is on Tuka Rask. He needs to save that. Um, and, you know, that's that. Now, Tampa Bay ended up getting the third goal, which was the game winner to make it 3-1. And that was a, a goal that came off a horrible, horrible Brad Marchand turnover where he's, he's in the neutral zone and then he dumps it back into his own zone. You know, turnover city, Tampa Bay steps up, snipe city, 3-1 Tampa, Bruins get another one late. You're thinking, all right, this team, they keep fighting back. It's not over then. You know, and it's over. 4-2 Tampa Bay. I will say this, the referees have been horrible in this series. I I don't want to spend all my time, you know, talking about officials and referees and umpires on this show because we really could... I mean, let's be honest. We could do that in any sport after any big game is criticize a call. Hey, look, especially hockey, it's a tough game to call. Uh, it's played at a high speed. It's just, you know, we're asking for consistency and you you haven't got it. In this series, the referees have been horrible. I mean, you go back to the Bruins Maple Leaf series. The one, oh, I guess they were consistent with one thing in that series. They kept throwing Patrice Bergeron out of faceoffs, and it was driving me nuts. Bergie is one of the best faceoff guys in the league and has been for a long time. And the refs kept throwing him out. It's just they're making it about themselves. I, you know. That was a tough look for the refs in the in the first round, how much they threw Bergeron out of those faceoffs, to the point where I called for an investigation. And and I'm I wasn't even kidding. Now, I haven't witnessed that as much in this series, but when it comes to like 
some penalty calls, just tough. I mean, they took a goal away from the Bruins in game one. On what they call Pasternak for a cross check. I mean, come on. And even Tampa Bay's coach said the refs took a goal away from the Bruins in that game, in game one. And then last night, you know, you put Krug in the box for a slash. You don't call anything on the Moshan breakaway at the end of the game, which probably should have been a penalty shot at the you know, very least. I mean, it, it's just, and then you got, you got a vicious cross check behind the net in the final minute. It, some tough officiating. Uh, you know, I don't want to say it's the reason the Bruins lost game two in Tampa Bay because obviously that second Tampa Bay goal, the Tuka Rask just looked horrible on, and, and you certainly can blame him for that goal, and you can point the finger for that goal. That was tough. That was bad. And even the first one, I mean, he's kind of, I don't know, he he didn't get a good grip on the ice to slide his pad over. He had to get his stick on it, still trickled in. Uh, that wasn't a good night for Tuca. I thought that was a bad night for Tuca last night than it was in the game seven where he had let up against Toronto where he had let up, what, four goals in the first two periods. I thought this game last night was a worse game. Um, So, if you don't like Tuca, I think you got something last night. Got something to point your finger at. But that series now is tied at one. Game three back at the TD Garden is going to be on Wednesday night, tomorrow night, Wednesday night. So I will react to that on Thursday's podcast. And yeah, I will be here on Thursday, not Friday. So I'll be back on Thursday. I'll react to the Bruins lightning game three. And whatever is said before the 76ers Celtics game two on Thursday night, I'll react to that as well. So. It's exciting. It's an exciting time with all the playoff action we have going on, especially in this town where we have the Celtics and the Bruins in the playoffs and having some success. But uh, like I told you, during the playoff games last night, I read these tweets where it's Tom Brady talking to Jim Gray and Brady's asked some questions that I thought would just be, you know, easy questions to answer. As the quarterback of the New England Patriots, as somebody who is supposed to be the leader of a team that does not like distractions, um, I thought these were easy questions to answer if you wanted to stick to the Patriot way. You know, and one of the questions is Jim Gray, you know, he's asking him, do you you feel appreciated by, by Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick? Do you feel appreciated by the Patriots? You know, if I'm Brady... I expect him to say, you know, yeah, I, I, I feel appreciated because I've been put in position to succeed each and every year, and I'm put in position to succeed this year. Again, we feel like we had a strong draft um, over the weekend. You know, we took an offensive lineman with our first pick, and then our other first-round pick, we took a running back from the same school from Georgia and Sony Michelle, and then we traded for an offensive lineman. So we definitely, you know, you know, we, we had a – even though we made some trades, we had a, we got some good players. Um, you know, I do feel appreciated because I'm 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 playing for. The, I have an opportunity to to play and lead the greatest organization in the history of sports, right? The greatest franchise in the history of sports. That's what I would expect Tom Brady's answer to be. Well, here is the audio: Jim Gray asking Tom Brady. Last night, or yesterday, whenever this was, about being appreciated by the New England Patriots. Do you feel 
appreciated by them and do they have the appropriate gratitude for what you have achieved? I plead the fifth. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop it right there because, you know, I do think that's a joke. When you read the rest of the quote, you hear the rest of the quote, it's obviously a joke. Is it a necessary joke, though? Like, like you know, he knows everything that's going on. He understands everything that's going on. He's not stupid. He's not. He listens to this stuff. He's not stupid. I mean, they basically take audio clips from 98.5 The Sports Hub and Felger and Maz, a drive-time radio show in Boston. They take clips from that show knocking him, right? And they put it, they, they ended up putting it in the Tom vs. Time video. So clearly they listen. They're listening to what's going on. They know what's going on. When you're asked if you feel appreciated by the Patriots and you know the world is going to see this clip, you plead the fifth? Like, that's the... I know it was kind of a joke, but it kind of wasn't at the same time. You'll, you'll hear with the, the, at least a little bit of the rest of this, con- rest of this answer. <laughs> Look, I... <laughs> man, that is a tough question. <laughs> yeah, I mean... They pre, you know, they, well, your they wife, your wife seems to indicate. Yeah. I think everybody in general wants to be appreciated more at work. All right. First of all, it's not a tough question. I don't think that's a tough question. And and if you do feel it's a tough question, again, sticking with the whole dynamic of the Patriot way, and you're the quarterback of the New England Patriots. If it is a tough question, don't come out and tell us it's a tough question. I, it. Very weird. I thought it was a weird response. And you can give me the rest of that quote, the rest of that answer all you want. And I've read the rest of the answer. I've read it on Twitter. And I actually think the answer that he gave is strange as fuck. Like, it's a weird answer. It's a long, drawn out. He gets to talking about, oh, I got to get the best out of myself. Uh, my head was spinning by re- when I got to the end of this answer. My head was spinning. You were asked, do you feel appreciated by the Patriots? I plead the fifth. Nah, man, that's a tough question. No, it's not. Like, I don't think that's a tough question. I don't. But Brady took this question, and I think he turned. He now turns this into a cryptic message to the public that he wants us thinking, well, maybe he doesn't feel appreciated. Oh, it's weird, man. It is just so fucking strange. I, I, and I read the rest of the quote, and it makes my head spin. Here it is. I'll read you it. It says, man, that's a tough question. I think everybody in general wants to be appreciated more at work, in their professional life, but there's a lot of people that appreciate me way more than I ever thought was possible as part of my life. You have different influences in your life, And the people I work with are trying to get the best out of me. So they're trying to treat me in a way that they feel is going to get the best out of me. (laughs) And I've got to get the best out of myself. I think what I'm learning as you get older is it comes from within. The joy, the happiness. Those things come from inside. To seek that from others. To seek that from outside influences. People you work with. People that cheer against or cheer with you. I feel like it comes from within for me. So I'm trying to build up what's within me so that I can be the best for me so that I can be the best for other people. Holy shit. I mean, is this Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, or Tom Brady, the prophet? I, 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 like, my head's spinning there. I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a tough question. 
but he gave a tough answer. And that's the, that's the reaction I have to it. I thought he gave a tough answer to an easy question that he ended up calling it tough. And before it all, he gave a little joke. I plead the fifth, but was it really a joke? It was a joke, but at the same time, it wasn't. Tom Brady, then asked by Jim Gray, are you happy? Are you happy? Uh, I have my moments. Are you happy? (laughs) Uh, I have my moments. Again, easy question. Should be an easy answer. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? I no longer know. I no longer know. I mean, I've reached a point with Brady this offseason where I, I, you know, I'm rattled. Like, I am rattled. If you listen to me and you listen to this show, you know, I I get it. It's hot take city everywhere else in this area with regards to the Tom Brady stuff. And and you know that I, I tell you how I feel. Like, I rip open my chest on this show every single time we hit record and we are on air. I mean, I rip open my chest. I tell you how I feel. Um, I usually tell you that the Patriot stuff is an exaggeration, an overreaction, but then you get something like this, and it's like, well, this is something that's simple. This is something that I feel like if you go back even three years ago and Jim Gray asked these questions to Tom Brady, he's like, do I feel appreciated? Of course I feel appreciated. I play for the greatest organization in sports. Am I happy? Of course I'm happy. I just went to another Super Bowl. I get a chance to go to another Super Bowl this year. Like, like, there's no plead the fifth joke. You get what I'm saying? But now there is, and I'm rattled by it all. Brady did confirm that he wants to play into his 40s. He confirmed that he's going to be playing in 2018, if you needed to hear him say that. But the whole thing about him continuing to play even beyond 2018, well, I guess he confirmed it with this. So, yes, I will be because, you know, I I have personal goals I want to keep playing. You know, I've said for a long time I want to play to my mid-40s. So there you go. That's Brady. Um... Just a strange, 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 strange answer to the first couple questions that I played for you. I, 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 he's clearly not happy with the Patriots, right? I mean, that's the takeaway. The takeaway is clearly not happy with the Patriots. The takeaway is he, pl- he clearly does not feel appreciated. And if you told me that Brady wrote these questions out for Jim Gray before this event, I would have told you, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Like, why is it always with Jim Gray? Because Brady trusts him. But this this relationship between Jim Gray and Tom Brady goes beyond trust to a point where it's not that Brady trusts this guy. It's that Brady knows he can just bitch this guy around to ask him what he wants and to help him send his message. Right? Jim Gray right now is just a message sender. It's not, it's not a reporter. He's not a journalist. He's... Not somebody that goes out and gives the hard-hitting interviews. He's a message sender. He is Tom Brady's personal message sender. And whether Brady tells Jim, whether this is the agreement or not, you know, that's a spoken agreement, this is the way Brady's handling it. He is bitching Jim Gray around. And I would not be surprised if Brady had written those questions out for Jim Gray to get this cryptic message across. I wouldn't be shocked at all. And, and that's why this is just, I'm rattled by this. I'm rattled by it. 
I don't want to sit here and crucify Tom Brady and question the guy and call him a fucking bug and a weirdo. But guess what? I'm questioning him. He is acting like a bug. He is acting like a weirdo. He, this is a strange offseason for the guy. It is. And it's like, well, whose fault is it? Is it Belichick's fault? Like, you've taken a side. The battle lines have been drawn. We already talked about this on this show. And I told you I'm Team Belichick. When I watched that last night, do I become a little more Team Brady? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. And I don't know if Brady hears some people taking Team Belichick's side and he's kind of shocked that that's the way this is going down. Did he think that everybody was always going to have his back with everything that he says or does? Again, my thought process on it all is Bill Belichick has handled business a certain way his entire tenure with the Patriots. And you cannot tell me that it, that, that it hasn't worked. It's worked. And Brady even goes into praising Belichick at one point during this thing last night and praising the system. But right now, some of the answers Brady gives that are cryptic as fuck, they are going against the system that he's praising. But he's doing it on purpose. He's saying I plead the fifth on purpose. He's saying that's a tough question on purpose. If we're going by the Patriot way, that's not a tough question. There are no tough questions. And there's always an easy answer. Which, for the ultimate Patriot, is no answer at all. As we know. And as people in this town get so frustrated with. I don't get frustrated with it. The non-responses. The generic answers. I don't. Because it works for them. No distractions. If you don't want to be here, you don't have to be. You want to become a distraction, you can go somewhere else. Like, that's the way it works. That's the way Belichick functions. Guerrero, Alex Guerrero, became a distraction. Brady feels disrespected by that. Feels underappreciated by that. But at the same time, it's like, well, there's got to be some type of compromise. Under the Patriot way. Belichick's going to compromise. Brady's going to compromise. The compromise to me would seem fairly simple. Okay, you can use Guerrero. You just can't do it in our locker room. You just can't do it in our facility. But, I mean, you got the fucking TB12 center that I could throw a rock at from the 50-yard from the line. It's right there. You can still use him. I'm not saying you can't use him. I'm not saying you have to use our guys. Like, if Belichick really was throwing the hammer down on Brady, wouldn't it be like, no, 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 there's... Not only is Guerrero not in the building, he's not on the premises. You can't use Guerrero. You need to use our guys. You want to use Guerrero? Use him in the offseason during your free time. Not during the season. You're going to use our guys who are employed by the Patriots. To me, that would be Belichick throwing down the hammer. But Belichick's not doing that. Because to me, Belichick probably feels like he's coming to a little bit of a compromise. Whether he's being forced to by Robert Kraft or not. Compromise. I don't think Brady sees the compromise right now. I think Brady is seeing this thing like, (laughs) and again, this is unfortunate to say, and I'm kind of rattled by it, but he's looking at it going, I'm Tom Brady. Look at everything I've done for you. I'm owed this. I, you owe this to me, you know, like I'm demanding this. And because you're not giving it to me, I feel underappreciated and I'm going to go send that message out. And here's how I'm going to do it. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy Gray, what are you doing this weekend? We gotta go sit down and put the little headsets on and uh, 
answer some questions. I got the questions for you. Don't worry. You don't have to do anything. Just go up there and ask them. Just go up there and talk. I'll plead the fifth. Say it's a tough question. I'll confirm I'm playing next year. I'm playing in my mid-40s. I'll answer the Malcolm Butler stuff. He answered the Malcolm Butler stuff. I mean, I don't want to keep going into the Malcolm Butler thing because at some point we do need to move on. But he basically said he saw Malcolm Butler on the sideline. Malcolm Butler kept coming over to him and saying, let's go, Tom. And Brady was asking him, like, why? what type of defense are we playing where you wouldn't be out there? But Brady also pointed out what I pointed out to you when we were talking about Amendola. Remember when Amendola was in the backseat of an Uber crying at ESPN's Mike Reese about how he didn't get any answers from Bill on why Malcolm Butler didn't play his? Why? Because Danny Amendola is an offensive player. And Bill Belichick doesn't feel the way he functions. He doesn't feel like he owes any explanation to an offensive player about what he's doing on the defensive side. Do your job. Danny Amendola is not the defensive coordinator. Danny Amendola is not a defensive back. Danny Amendola is a wide receiver on the New England Patriots offense, or should I say was, because now he's with the Miami Dolphins. Because the Patriots basically told him he was replaceable. And they told him that by saying, we're not matching the contract that Miami's going to give you. And so, and by the way, I, Danny Amendola, this is, this is, I, I mean, it, it's my opinion, but I feel like I'm pretty good with the troll stuff. Like I, I can, I can pinpoint who is controlling what troll account on Twitter. There's a way to do it. If you really want to dig, people are stupid. People are stupid. They don't understand that they fuck up sometimes. Whether it's favorite in a conversation. I, sometimes I'll give him a little favorite too. Just to let him know that I know. Oh, I see what you just did. I'm, I'm going to link this to you. And I'm going to let you know that I know who's running this account. You know, there's a lot of trolls out there. I'm convinced that Danny Amendola has a couple troll accounts out there. I, I know it's my opinion. I think he does. I've, I've linked a couple to him. If that makes sense. I, I have. I'm telling you. I've I've linked it. I, I, I've gone digging to find out who's controlling what. I can't wait. I can't wait for the, is it, an, what, what would it be, an app? Where one day everyone's Twitter account just shows what other Twitter accounts they own and utilize. <laughs> that's that's going to be a doozy of a day. Because there's going to be. You're going to get some, some real embarrassing moments for some people who it shows like one guy in the media is controlling like these 35 troll accounts, right? With pictures of Belichick and Brady uh, and goats and eggs. <laughs> it's, uh, that app is going to be beautiful. I can't wait. I wish I had the money to develop it because I don't know what they, what's taking them so long. It's going to come out. Athletes are going to be involved too, having troll accounts. Oh, it's going to be a beautiful day. It's going to be a beautiful day. But anyways, Amendola, I've called him out. He's replaceable. He was crying about the Butler stuff. He didn't get an answer. Tom Brady says in this conversation with Jim Gray, he says, hey, listen, you know, I'm an offensive player, so we don't really deal with the defensive side of stuff. Like he points that out, and and that's real, especially with the Patriots. Like the do-your-job thing is – if you're an offensive player, don't you worry about what's going on in defense. Don't worry about it. When you're called to do your job, you do your job. You don't play defense, you play offense, don't worry about the defense. 
That's real. And Brady pointed that out. I think people will ignore that and just say, well, Brady, uh, he admits that he didn't know what was going on with Butler. Yeah, but he also admitted that the offensive players don't really ever know what's going on with the defense. So when you try to tell me Butler didn't do anything because the offensive players didn't know about it or they didn't tell the offensive players about it, that doesn't tell me that Butler didn't do anything because the offensive players never know what's going on with the defensive players. They don't, especially in New England where the phrase is do your job. That's it. So the Brady stuff's interesting. Uh, It was a little distraction for a few minutes from the playoff games that we had going on last night. But I had to respond to it because it's just another strange moment for Tom Brady this offseason. And I'm rattled by it all. I really am rattled by it all. Because I don't want to be in this place with Tom Brady. You know, where I'm at, where my head's at with this guy, which is like, wow, you know, I'm Team Belichick. Right now I'm not Team Brady. And last night, listening to these comments, I I didn't change my mind on that. It's, you know, I'm not saying I'm not going to root for Brady. Obviously, I'm one of Brady's biggest fans. But if they are going to draw these battle lines, which it seems like they have, I'm not drawing them. They've drawn them. I haven't. They have. I don't even think Belichick has. I think Brady has. I think Gronk had. And then that's when Belichick called Gronk into the office and said, hey, listen, the draft is Thursday. You don't want to be here? Let me know right now because I will send you somewhere else. And then Gronk was like, oh, no, 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 I, I, I want to be here. I want to be with the Patriots. And then he's like, all right, commit. Go on your little Instagram and tell everybody you commit and, and, and cut, the, cut the shit. All right? So, uh, you know, the Brady stuff last night, it, it was just, it's, it's just kind of tough to watch. Kind of tough to watch because it is just another example of Tom Brady and the weird offseason that he is having. So uh, we move on from that. Uh, We got a lot of other stuff to go before we get to regular season football. And I'm not trying to rush your life away. I'm not sitting here saying, I I can't wait for regular season football because that means the summer's over. Let's get to the summer first. We got some beautiful weather this week in Boston. We got playoff games. And uh, I will be back on Thursday to react to these playoff games, to react to the Bruins Lightning Game 3, which is Wednesday night. Talk a little bit about the Celtics 76ers Game 2, which is going to be on Thursday night. And anything else that happens in the world of sports, I will react to it on this show. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, literally anywhere podcasts are available also on my website, dannypicard.com. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash dannypicard. Episode 3 of my new YouTube series, 363 Off the Air, will be dropped this week. Episode 3 coming this week, so subscribe to my YouTube channel right now and hit that notifications button. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. Uh, enjoy the next couple days. And again, if you're going to go golfing and you're looking to buy some golf balls and saving a whole lot of money in the process, go to golfballmonkey.com. That's golfballmonkey.com. Receive free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks and get 5% off any order by using my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. I'm out. Talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>